From Relay FM, this is the Pen Addict, episode 415. Today's show is brought to you by Pen Chalet. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm joined by Brad Dowdy. Brad Dowdy, you played yourself some. You went and jinxed it, didn't you? You had to do it. Didn't you? You had to jinx it, and now look where we are. Mike Hurley, mm. it was a very accurate statement you put in our show doc this morning after I put in a note that I wanted to talk about for our lovely, completely smooth running ahead of schedule <laughs> Kickstarter campaign with mm-hmm. the Retro 51 pens, Mike. Mm-hmm. And I open up the show doc after I wrote the notes yesterday. I open up this morning to see what Mike has added. And right there on my first topic where I'm frustrating expressing expressing my frustration mike says congratulations you played yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> and you couldn't even be more accurate I, I i seriously just i giggled when i saw that i was like son of a <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so you know the part where i said the pens were done and i've paid for them and they were shipping to me all of that happened last week they showed up friday night um at my house, like, what is it, 888 pins? I don't know if I ordered 900 or what, but 888 Retro 51s show up. Boom. We're going to be ready. Just like I talked last week, you know, getting ready to ship them in July, you know, and kind of get this project out and get ahead of things. So I opened up one of the boxes, and one of the glaring things you see on the exterior you normally of a Retro 51 pin is the little sticker where it says what number the pin is, like number 188, right? That sticker. So I open up the box on the number side and just see a sea of black. Like all, there's no number stickers on any of these pins. I kind of knew what that meant. And so I emailed Retro 51 and sent them a picture. I was like, hey, I, I, I think this is a problem. And the, you know, there's no numbering. And they got back to me Monday afternoon after investigating it, and they did not list on the order to get these numbered, and mm-hmm. it was a mistake uh, mm-hmm. on their part, and that 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 they admitted to, like they mm-hmm. they fessed up to, like, yeah, we didn't we didn't pass that information on correctly. So <laughs> I have nine separate. UPS return labels in my email right now that I have to print off, ship these pins back to Retro 51, all of them. Because what can happen, like this is going to be fixed fine. Like everything is going to be fine in the end, but we're more just delayed. That the piece on the pin where the numbering goes is a separate piece. So they can manufacture all those numbers on there, but they have to manually do manually replace every yep ring on every pin this is not like as bad as it could have possibly been luckily the thing that that needs to be fixed is a part that can be independently manufactured like if there was a problem of the pen body for example way worse problem because then which i didn't even look at that i didn't i didn't open one so i don't even know what they look like but i'll get them to confirm them because they're gonna have to open them all up right Mm. Um, so I didn't get to confirm the pin body because I didn't want to open it up because I f- felt that there was a problem. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll get, but they will open them up. So I'll get Richard to confirm them. Um, because they're going to replace them, um, at their office in Texas. They just, nice. it's going to take us a few weeks to get them manufactured, get the rings manufactured and then they'll get them shipped over and then they will replace them all. So, 
this will probably be like a six week process or so maybe something like that they were being like all the pens were being sent overseas to be changed and then sent back like that would take way longer wouldn't it oh absolutely uh yeah that would freak me out a little bit more this does Mm -hmm. not uh this is more of a just a uh, a blip even though it sucks but like now we're probably looking at august early earliest yep, yep, to ship yep. probably september which was our original kind of time frame yep. so all that time <laughs> that, that we were happy that we'd made up mm-hmm. well lost it lost yep. it all no <laughs> good deed time. goes unpunished mike no good deed mm-hmm. goes unpunished so yeah that's mm-hmm. that's the latest it was dis- like you want to you want to you know see like bugs bunny's heart like pound out of his chest and then drop to the floor like cartoon feeling when you when i opened that box like that's what it was like i was like oh no it was like it was the dread it was the dreaded feeling like something was wrong and it was so <sighs> yeah it'll get fixed easy fix a lot of work on their part and i gotta get these i gotta figure out how to get these pins back and then <laughs> and get them picked up here soon so we'll get mm-hmm. i'll get them back this week and then We'll be back on more Kickstarter updates later when I can tell you I've received them again. So just uh, hold that thought, and we'll be back to it later. Mm-hmm. I got a link in my email from mm-hmm. good friend of the show, Andy Kuhn, about a nib that he said, hey, I think this might be an interesting to mention on the podcast and want to get your thoughts on it. So I, I sent you a link. I put a link in the show notes, and we'll share it with the chat. And I'm sure a lot of people in the chat have seen it. It's It's been making the rounds, like in the Panatic Slack and things like that. Do you understand what's happening with the solid rose gold nib I'm seeing here from Santini Italia? I can't understand how this is possible. Right. So let me read the description. Here we present our new solid rose gold nib, 18 karat. The nib is completely produced by an 18 karat rose gold stripe. I don't know what that means. To create this nib, we used an alloy that kept the 750 thousandths of pure gold, but adding for the rest of the alloy only copper. So let me kind of... That didn't help at all. Talk about <laughs> what they're doing here. So they've taken a traditional gold, traditional gold, you know, yellow gold, and basically added copper to it to make rose gold instead of making a gold nib with rose gold plating, right? So there's no mm-hmm. rose, there's no plating on the nib. The actual metal is a mixture of gold and copper. I'm not a scientist. But this breaks my brain. I don't know. Like, I guess they're convinced that this isn't going to be a problem. And maybe it's not going to be a problem. And maybe that little of copper to make the tint of the color is going to be fine. But copper changes <laughs> very rapidly in relation to gold. Like, you'll get some, you know, gold might have to be polished every now and then. But copper is an aggressively changing material. I don't know what the the proper scientific term is for that, but like the minute you pick up a copper pen, for example, you can tell where you've picked it up because that material changes. It's affected by external forces way more than gold is. I'm going to let somebody else go first on this one. (laughs) You know, this is one of those where I really like the idea. Hey, this is a great idea. Is it going to work? I'm not going to go first, right? Yeah. It's like, You've taken one metal that I don't. I don't. I don't Let's call really, it stable versus unstable. I don't know yeah, if those are the right turns. An unstable terms. metal, which is copper, right? Where like 
things change, right? Like, you know, it patinas, like the color changes. Like, it's... It's a feature. Yeah, it, it is. But, like, it's a thing that happens to it. And then you've mixed it with a soft metal in gold. And so I just... I wouldn't want to be the one to put the money down. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, like I'm willing to go first a lot of times, right? Uh-huh. And I'll take the risk for, you know, experimentation's sake and say, hey, is this a thing? Is this not a thing? And this doesn't feel like the one that I want to go first on. <laughs> and it'll probably be, I'll, I'll need like a year to see someone else using this to see how does it work? Does, is there some kind of copper creep? in this nib that is unexpected and like i i'm sure they've tested this out i i would think and it's very it's going to be very interesting to watch right i Mm -hmm. i think this is a unique thing i think it would have existed by now if it was a viable solution maybe that's a little short-sighted by me but i don't know about that yeah so (laughs) it's gonna be interesting and uh I'm I'm certainly interested, but like I said, I'm not going first on this one, and uh, I will be happy to try one out, and I'll be happy to look at one, and I, I would be happy to hear feedback from anyone who picks one up. So definitely let me know if uh, if you're going to take the chance on on this nib because if it works, it could be a, a pretty unique feature just to have that different tint. They're they're doing it for the color, right? Not for any. They're not doing any other doing it for any other reason other than appearance right they're not saying hey this is a better performing nib they're doing it because hey we want a rose gold color nib without plating and if it works you get to be the company that does that yep Yep. so So let's let's hope that it works like i'm not hoping that it doesn't work i'm hoping that it does work but i have questions i don't have questions about the sailor 1911 wicked witch of the west mike do you have questions about this pen because i said let's play the guessing game and i've already like played my hand pretty aggressively no t- tell me tell me your thoughts my thoughts of my thoughts or my thoughts of your thoughts uh tell me your just tell me your thoughts tell me what you i think, think it's fantastic it. okay i think it's fantastic it's it's one of the most perfectly built editions that they've made so this is the north america limited edition north american exclusive release i don't i forget that i i interchange limited edition special edition exclusive i think those are all just kind of words that you can use during for all these situations but it's a north american release like they've done the lighthouse in the past and they've done is other, this like the 4 a.m fres fresca 4 a.m exactly okay. same along those lines it comes in the 1911 large and 1911 standard it's absolutely beautiful i would buy it if i hadn't just bought a bunch of other pins but I do have one issue with this, but I want to hear your thoughts on this before I relay my problem. I've ordered the lodge. <laughs> I think it's stunning. Like I, I yeah. this, this is a beautiful pen. It is. We haven't really described it in case you can't see it, but I'll put the links in the show notes to both the lodge and the standard. It's 1911 style. Uh, it's a deep purple resin as it's described and it's got all of the mm-hmm. black ion furniture that we love so clip band nib all of that is in the black ion plated which has been mm-hmm. what what's the, the 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 black 1911 that this first appeared in uh, or is most black, popular in there's there's two there's the imperial black imperial and the black, black luster I'm thinking of yeah black luster so um what's funny so I'll, I'll tell you my problem in a second but i I did not order it. 
But what's funny is if there was a third choice and the third choice said King of Pen, I would have already ordered it, which yeah, is just... I had that thought too. If, if there was and, a King of Pen, I, I, I don't know if I would have been able to resist. Yeah, which goes against everything I just said about not wanting to spend the money. <laughs> I would have ordered the King of Pen immediately. Yep. Here's, here's the problem. That was why I went with the standard because I also actually don't have... Sorry, a lot. I don't have a, a large 1911. Okay, I, I think have you're gonna love it. Two slims and a king of pen. So, yeah, I think you're gonna love it. So that's that's good on you. So here here's here's my problem. The biggest complaint about the 4 a.m. was they didn't black ionize the nib to match the rest of the external hardware, mm-hmm. and they claimed it was a cost issue. This is the standard retail price that these limited editions always have with no added costs, and they ionized plated the nib. So that's a little bit uh, going against earlier statements that they have on well, why the 4AM didn't get the nib, and why does this one get the nib? Well, what if uh, what if the body is cheaper, the material? It, I'm going to go no. It's It's... Let's be clear about Sailor real quick. And this is my King of Pen rant. Their barrels are plastic. They are simplistic, (laughs) right? Yeah. I just want to be crystal clear that the King of Pen is the most outrageously priced pen that I just happen to love. And it is, if you want value for your money, you're basically getting like a huge honking nib surrounded by clear plastic, right? Mm-hmm. I just want to be perfectly clear. I love my sailor pens. It's my favorite pen, but let's not pretend that these barrels are something special when they're not. <laughs> I just want to be very clear. They just happen to look good and the colors are fantastic and the entire package is great. They make a beautiful pen overall, but there's no difference in these barrels. If anything, this barrel looks nicer than the 4AM. So I don't buy okay. what happened with the... 4 a.m. being a cost issue when they come out with this one at just at the exact price. There's no price increase on this well, one, like which is good. I'm glad this looks better. What ended up happening is the 4 a.m. didn't sell the way that they wanted it to, and they thought, well, maybe if we take a little bit more of a loss on the next <laughs> one, we'll put the plate in on it, right? Like that. There is a reason. I agree yeah, with what I you're know. saying that like they said one thing and they do another. Uh, but cost also includes margin and all that kind of stuff. But I know, I know. It's just I'm ple- me being but pedantic. nevertheless, I'm pleased that they did it because that re- it really seals the deal for me with this pen. Um, yeah, it's called the Large Wicked Witch of the West, which is a great name for a pen. And also, like, just the coloring of it, it's got like a kind of Wicked Witch vibe to it. So mm. it's a very cool yeah. pen. It's a very cool pen. This one will sell out. Um, if you're interested in this pen, like this is probably one you're just gonna have to go for. You know, Do you know like, when I'm, it becomes available? Because it's pre-order now. I think. No, I'd have to look on. If you look on uh, Sailor's North America Instagram account, they usually put dates, but I don't have that link in the show notes. But we can right. find it pretty quick. Someone will find it. While I talk about this next item, which is sort of related, this one caught me off guard, Mike. There's an ink now, a limited edition ink that Sailor released called Sailor's Sailor Fountain Pen Ink. I'm very confused about this. <laughs> So I want to say it slowly so people in the back can get it. Sailor's Sailor Fountain Pen Ink. (laughs) So Sailor made a Sailor Ink. I'm so happy to be discussing this. And the label looks fake, which is hilarious to me. It looks terrible. Right? It looks like like I made it. 
It's very confusing. Sailor, sailor. So this ink is a limited edition made to represent the 15th anniversary of essentially Sailor's ink mixing bar, right? The custom inks blended by famed Sailor ink blender Osamu Ishimaru, right? So this is a, they've been doing this type of ink mixing for 15 years and wanted to celebrate it with an ink. And I, the sailors, sailor, sailor islands. I can't, can't help but laugh when I say it. It's a, it's a 50 milliliter bottle. It's a bright blue ink. It's $39. It's very expensive. The f- interesting part, I was going to say funny part. It's not funny. The interesting part is this was supposed to be a Japan only limited edition. And I don't know if they overproduced or were just being nice. You know, it's, it's the marketing. Now we're going to release it to the rest of the world, right? So it was not intended to be something that our market could access mm. um, overseas, but now it is. And, you know, it's whatever. I'm wondering how close this is to Scalar, Sailor Sky High. So I'm anxious. I'm not going to buy this ink. Um, you know, I just like the, the pen. The, I, I really want the pen. I really want the ink. I, I've, I've, I've bought enough here recently but i can't wait for people to see it and do comparisons with sailor sky high it looks like it's probably a little bit darker than sailor sky high but that's one of my favorite inks i inked up my fujiyama blue with sailor sky high that's how much i love that ink so i think this looks like it's probably a little bit darker um maybe it's like mont blanc tolstoy which is one of the most popular limited edition inks created probably in the last decade so i'd like to see someone uh compare those two and just kind of see yeah the bung box sapphire is another one so i kind of want to see where this one falls because and i don't know is is this made to represent the most popular ink that the sailor's ink blender has ever made like is this the is this the blender's choice mike this is very weird it's very weird i will agree with you the the tag team of these two products is Almost mind-bending <laughs> to me. <laughs> so let, let me ask you, let's rewind to the Witch of the West. You've mm. ordered it. Do you, mm-hmm. ha- do you already have ink plans for that? Because you can, you can put some awesome inks in that, in that pen and make it just look awesome. Or are you just going to go with like straight purple? I don't know. See, I would also like a, a green fan. in there because like the Wicked Witch <sighs> of the West, like purple right? and green and black, like maybe put in, like it. a really vibrant color. I, I don't know. I don't have a, a, a plan for that yet. Yeah. But green would be would be pretty cool, right? Yeah, bright. Yeah, bright green. Mm-hmm. And I have yeah, two bright good. greens that I really like. The yeah. Akaman 28, I think it is. Yes. And the, yes. the, key, the key Lime Pie Sweet. Yep. Um, I, I don't Monteverde. Yeah, the Monteverde key lime. Uh, I so they're both two really good greens that would look would look pretty great in that one. I think so. Yeah, I think I think that might be the way to go. It's like my Halloween pen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a great pen. It's it's I I'm gonna pass. It's gonna be hard for me to take a pass on it, and you know maybe down the line if for some reason this is like I passed on the tangerine right, and then later on at a pen show like I decided I couldn't pass it up anymore, and you know I was more able to afford it at the time and. And I, I picked it up. This doesn't mean I'll never own this pen, but I'm not going to pre-order or, mm. or you know, get in line for it right now. As much as I think it might be, the it's the best looking. Re- All of their releases are like eight out of ten, nine out of ten. I think this is probably like a ten out of ten for me personally. Yep. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass. It's just I can't buy everything. But if you and do want to buy everything, me, Mike. if you <laughs> do want to buy everything, good place to go for that. Best place to go for that. 
Pen Chalet. This is actually where I bought my uh, my 1911 this morning. Because Pen Chalet sell authentic, amazing rollerballs, fountain pens, ballpoints, mechanical pencils, and so much more. They have your favorite brands like Sailor, but also Pelican, Monteverde, Lamy, Pilot, Caveco. They do uh, not just pens, though. So it's not just pens and rollerballs and mechanical pencils. It's also everything you need for them. Carrying cases and inks refills uh, so you can get ink cartridges as well as bottles they will fountain pen converters so you can fill your pen nice and easy and they just do all the great accessories that you're looking for as well there's always something new going on at pen chalet they're adding new products all the time and they do great sales all the time as well uh, they do free shipping on all those over 50 dollars in the u.s and they have great shipping rates and it's i've always found it to be really fast reliable shipping so i've ordered from pen chalet many times so i have absolutely no problem in doing that again today because pen chalet also offer a 100 percent satisfaction guarantee on their products if you go to penchalet.com and click the podcast link at the top of the website you can use the password pen addict to get this week's special offer and to get the code you need to save 10 percent at pen chalet so brad what do we have uh, on offer this time the scroll bar just keeps going. It will go <laughs> I'm on. not sure I made it to the bottom yet. It will go on. But there's all there's all kinds of things. There's there's the Esterbrook Phaeton. There's a bunch of Monteverdes. Um, there's a bunch of Conklins, a bunch of Stipulas, and then you scr- a bunch of Paniders, and you just keep going. And then Montegrappa Mini Copper Mule Fountain Pen. Hmm. I didn't know. Number one, I like this shape of the Montegrappa Copper pens the mule and the mule's been around for a while like five six years i didn't know there was a mini version of this to be perfectly honest i didn't know this pen existed and the price point it is at is you know it's laughable like as as always with with ron's deals i i don't need to buy any pens but i find it interesting the other one i find interesting which you might be surprised is there's a pelican k805 ocean swirl ballpoint pen Hmm. i've always threatened to buy one of pelican's ballpoint pens because let's be honest like the sailor king of pen any ballpoint pen is going to be overpriced you're paying for like the barrel and the hardware and stuff and you're writing with a ballpoint but this has that ocean swirl material of 805 i already have the fountain pen maybe this is the one like i didn't know this existed baby Right, so then we're going death set for that, and you just keep going. I still haven't made it to the end. Like there, the platinum carnelian's still in there. This purple Parker dual fold. I don't know. There's a lot. So yeah, yep. just keep scrolling, and then there's even I. I finally reached the button that said view more specials, which I'm just gonna leave for someone else because mm-hmm. that's a lot of stuff already. You really good stuff day. from Ron this week. Yep. Penchalet.com, P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T.com, and click the podcast link at the top of the website and use the password Pan Addict to get your Eyes and hands on these wonderful offers. Our thanks to Pen Chalet for their continued support of the Pen Addict and Relay FM. Michael, I reviewed a product on Monday. Oh boy, did you? This is one of the rare, scathing, dowdy reviews. I wouldn't say that you were unfairly harsh because from what I read, I believe you, but harsh you were. So yeah, so this is for the Blackwing one-step long point sharpener review this is the new fancy black wing sharpener beautiful looking really well designed you know this could go in your your dieter rams uh johnny i love it uh, i love the design because it's like evokes the shape of the pencil like i really like it like i think it's beautiful 
it's killer. It's absolutely killer design. And this launched earlier this year and someone had one at the Baltimore pin show and they're like, here, test it out. And I did. And it did really kind of jive with me at the time. I was like, yeah, it's, it's okay. And I'll wait, you know, I wasn't going to make any decisions off of that. I'll wait till I get my own. So I finally got my hands on one and it, it's just really bad. And I don't, often just like lean into like really bad products like you're they're usually not worth your time reviewing like if there's a pen that's just really terrible i'm not going to spend all my time just crushing it in the review but there's certain products that fall into a different category in that you know the brand is so popular and so well known for making really good products that this one's more of an outlier and I think it's more of an interesting conversation. So I will spend some time saying like, this really is, is, it's bad. Like it's legitimately bad. The problem is I wonder, as I I was writing this review, I wondered, you go look on Blackwing's site and there's like 93 reviews, ranks at five star, no one star reviews. I'm like, what am I missing? Like how, how is my experience not at least moderate, right? I'm not expecting perfection. How is my review not just moderate of this this product when everyone else seems to be having uh, a great experience with it? So I started looking through my comments. I actually went through, there's no one or two star reviews on there on Blackwing sites. So I was like, that is interesting. Then I started getting comments on my post and I, I'm looking in my comments and one of my comments says i have one inspired by the look and i also had the same issues still looks awesome but i'm waiting for your review first next time so what happens when you sharpen with this pen it leaves a ragged um the exposed cedar is ragged it's not smooth and i have a comparison shot and you know all things being equal it's not like it's been run over by a car ragged but when you compare it to literally every other sharpener I used in the review or didn't use in the review, other sharpeners I've just used, period, it sharpened more poorly than any of those. And this is a $20 pencil sharpener, right? It's not like a $5 pencil sharpener where I can say, oh, this is junk and toss it aside. This is a $20 pencil sharpener. I expected more. So the next review I get or the next comment I get on the post is says i'm sitting here looking back and forth between your photos and my freshly sharpened pencil in front of me i can't even connect the two i have the one step two but it's as if we're using two different sharpeners you're not the first i've heard from who had a hard time with it but our sharpening jobs look completely different but i know you can only review what you've got in front of you it's odd the very next review is i honestly don't know what you're talking about i've had this since it first came out and have been very pleased with its looks and performance it's a great sharpener and people who always see it who see it always comment on how cool it is so <laughs> what do you do when you have a product that performs like this and there's just all this huge range like what's your first thought of well you know if my experience is different. There's maybe something up in manufacturing. Lo and behold, Michael, I got an email from Blackwing after this review. (laughs) Shocker of all shockers. (laughs) I was like, oh, here we go. There's a quality control problem with a batch of these. And apparently Hmm. I have one of them. So they're going to send me another one. What Hmm. I find interesting is... 
how do I not know this beforehand kind of thing? I don't like if they know, should it be corrected already? I, I don't know. Like that's, I don't know Blackwing's business. You know, things happen. Like I've had, I've had QC issues on plenty of products. Like sometimes things get out that are bad, but this seems to be like a decent amount of bad ones are out. And this is a recent acquisition. This isn't one I've had since February. So they're going to send me another one and I will test it. And if it's, I'm expecting that it's going to be behave differently because so many people had a great experience with this sharpener. I find it odd that I didn't. So that's kind of where we're at with this sharpener. I want it to be well, like I'm not trying to like, I don't take my review frustrations out on companies. I state what I believe is my honest opinion of my experience. Right. Yeah. So you know, this one's going to be interesting because I'm getting another one after Blackwing reached out and they've admitted to a QC problem with a with a certain batch. And apparently I've got, I got one. Um, it, it's pretty telling when when people don't have the experience are able to share their comparisons with me and say how different it is to what I got out of this sharpener. So. Good stuff. So there I'm will be interested to see how it, you know, because it doesn't really seem like there's any redeeming feature of it at the moment. So mm-hmm. I'm keen to see if that completely <laughs> changes. <laughs> right. Like the more I put it up against every other sharpener I own, the more I hated it. Like it was, I would, li- I will literally never use this sharpener again because there is not one sharpener I own that it is better than. Right. Right. And it's not cheap. This is like this is a premium sharpener. Like, and I compared it to other premium sharpeners. Yeah. And um, people who want a premium sharpener, you need to get on Team Pollux. It is the uh, it is the king of pen of mm. of sharpeners because it is way more expensive than it looks like it should be, <laughs> but it works exceptionally well. So, get on Team Pollux if you want a, a really really great sharpen. So, until we see if this one's uh, my my next version of this one is correct. So here's something that is incredibly timely. The, incredibly timely? Yep. The Franklin Christoph online pen show is incredibly timely because as we are recording this, it literally is 11 a.m. Eastern time, which is when mm-hmm. the first sale opens. Yes. So all of our live listeners are no longer listening mm-hmm. <laughs> because they've gone and, and gone to play in Franklin Christoph's um, online pen show. And the reason I'm bringing this up is not because... I love Frank and Kristoff, which I do. And I love all of their custom models, which I do. And, you know, I'm a customer of theirs for the pen addict, which I am like, I love all the things, but the reason I'm bringing this up is because it's a cool and different way for these vendors that we all support at pen shows when we're not supporting them online to have their online version of pen show. And the idea I had yesterday when it was mentioned to me, is I only knew about this because I was on their email list, which I didn't even realize I'd gotten the email at the time. I was streaming and people started talking about it. I was like, hey, did you get the thing about the show tomorrow? I was like, no, but I hadn't checked my email yet. So I wanted to talk a little bit about retailers and email. <laughs> this, is, this is a weird topic because email is kind of a battleground for your attention, right? And there's sometimes you just don't want to, you know, be bothered with all of the retailers 
you know, promotion emails and sales emails and new stock emails, I just want to say, maybe consider signing up for some of them, not all of them. You'll get inundated. And I'm not trying to like over promote consumerism, but <laughs> on this podcast, I, I just said I wasn't buying the purple sailor. Um. Mike, give me a break. <laughs> but yes, I, it's, there's a fine line between too much uh, too much. Maybe it's not a fine line. It's probably like a big fat Sharpie marker line. There's um, a challenge, you know, for all of us in buying too many things and trying to manage our expectations and manage our budgets. But it is very helpful in times where companies like Franklin Kristoff and Edison Penn and Carolina Penn Company and not the big retailers that can't get out to pen shows and, you know, make their month by going to a pen show you can sign up to their newsletters and kind of see what they're doing. And that's helpful to them, you know, having those extra eyeballs on their newsletters. And, you know, maybe you'll, you'll see something down the line or maybe you see something today that you put on your wish list for a year from now when you can afford it or for a special occasion. And I just wanted to say, like, as someone who tries to manage their inbox very carefully, um, that I'm glad to sign up for several retailers' emails just to kind of support their endeavors, even if I'm not buying something from every day. So that's, that's just one of those little, little topics that kind of, we don't ever have a reason to talk about, but this getting this online pen show email made me think, Oh, cool. Even though I'm not going to go buy anything, it was like, it's cool to see companies doing this and you should sign up to some of your favorite pen retailers email list. If, uh, if you want to see what they're doing and see what they're up to and uh, help support them. I think that is a very nice idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, let's figure out all the not nice ideas I have in this section of Ask TPA. Mike, I'm done being nice today. I'm going to oh take boy. these Ask TPA questions like that Blackwing one-step sharpener review. All right, are you sure? It's go time. Okay, this is going to be Big Boss Browdy. Browdy, Browdy, that's what we'll call you now, Browdy. <laughs> All right. Uh, this comes from Outside Rose. Any suggestions for an A5-ish sized binder or a notebook that would allow me to insert and rearrange pages? I'm making a survival guide for my next duty assignment and want to be able to create a small collection of important information I can keep in a bag and modify over time. I would just like to say at this point that Relay FM LLC and Pen Addict <laughs> LLC is not responsible. Uh, <laughs> For any recommendation when it comes to creating a quote-unquote survival guide for a duty assignment. Because that sounds very scary. So yeah, uh, if this, this doesn't question. work out or like a page falls out and you get yourself in trouble, don't come a-knocking to Brad's door. <laughs> um, I love this question so much. Like there, There's several very easy answers, but the answer I want to give, I don't think it exists. So let me give the easy answers and then I'll, I'll tell you what I want for this answer. So the easy answers are any disk based system, right? Insert like and rearrange Levenger, pages. Right. Levenger, mm-hmm. Circa, Staples, Arc. I use the William Hanna. That one, you know, is you know the most expensive of the bunch. There's other systems where you can have any kind of disk bound system. And then if you find out that that disk bound system works for you, you can eventually invest in a punch that will allow you to use whatever your favorite paper is you know, like an A5 size Clairefontaine paper you can use and punch it into your own disc bound system. So those are the ones I would look at. I would, I prefer the disc bound over the 
uh, binder ring systems. Like Kokuyo yeah. has a binder ring system. You know, a bunch of the Japanese brands have binder ring systems. And then you have things like Filofax, where you have binder ring systems. Those tend to break down, especially if we're putting survival guide, uh, considering that in the answer. Binder rings don't really make my survival guide list, right? They're just going to break down and become an annoyance. Um, what I would like for this answer is disc bound right in the rain paper. And I don't know if that's a possibility because if we're doing a survival guide and we have a duty assignment, I I feel like this is going to be a very heavily used product, maybe indoors, maybe outdoors as well. And I would like to have that paper that's going to handle this work a little bit better than what you would get from, you know, Levenger Staples or William Hanna. So that's something I'd look into. I don't know if Right in the Rain sells loose sheets, but they have so many models and options of their product. I would be surprised if you could get something that you could modify into one of those brands. But disc-bound systems, you can get plenty of them in A5 size. And if you like it, you can eventually get into your own paper. And uh, I would love to see a Right in the Rain version. Could you not just... I mean, you could. I mean, if you wanted to, you could take the time in buying the paper and cutting it out of a book and hole punching it yourself, right? Like even sure. the right the rain paper. Oh yeah. Yep, absolutely. Because I'm wondering if they make pads. They they've lost me on how many different variants they make now, which is good. Like they're they're out there, which makes me think there's there's an option for mm. that. And if you really got serious, you could end up probably just ordering like Upo paper, like sheets. You know, and really, oh, they I mean, do. That would paper. take a lot of work. Mm-hmm. They sell paper now. They do what they okay. call all-weather printer paper. That will get you what you you're go. looking for. That's they do it in all need. kinds of sizes too. So, yep. So they've really expanded over the last two or three years their mm-hmm. their paper lineup. So yeah, that's that's what I would do if you're concerned about it uh, having to be weatherproof. Um, you're limited to ballpoint pens and pencils at that point, but um, I would still be fine with that. Next question comes from Nick. Nick wants to know, uh, for me, I was wondering, Mike, what your pen situation will be at Mega Office. Will you have a pen block for home and some for work, or will you carry them every time? So, one, I mean, I haven't. I pay rent on an office, not that I've (laughs) been there in three (laughs) months, but I have yet to work this one out. I feel like I would just have all of my favorite pens at the office. But Mm -hmm. Adina says that's a risk in case they get stolen. Mm. I have said, this is a conversation we've had many times, if somebody (laughs) broke into our office, they would not take the pens, Mm -hmm. is my opinion. Like, they they would take the computers and other, like, you know, the other technology things we have lying around. Equipment. The equipment. I can't imagine anybody would steal the pens. And it is a case where, like, if somebody broke in to our studio... For me, the worst thing that they could take would be the pens. See, that's where it gets more <laughs> tricky. Look, because everything yes. else covered by insurance, right? Um, and I don't have an emotional attachment to. Like, if somebody stole my laptop, I'd be upset, but I'd get a new one on insurance and I'd be fine. But mm-hmm. even if I could insure the pens, I can't replace some of them. Right. So this is the problem. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. What I know I don't want to do is carry pens backwards and forwards every day. 
And then it's a case of working out which are allowed to be there. I, I really, like, this is something that is going to take me a long time to work out. I mean, honestly, like, I have a lot of stuff still to work out with the studio anyway. Like, in, in, a, in, a, in the alternate timeline, I would be there right now recording this show and I would have worked it all out because I would have been working from it for a couple of months. But I have never worked a day in the studio. So it's still too soon for me, even though uh, I signed the rental contract in February. <laughs> Crazy. Um, I'll chime in. I'm a hundred percent bringing them back and forth every day. Like I'm, I'm tailor made to do that. I'm a backpack bag guy. See that? See, throwing this my is, bag. Throwing this is in the question case, of like I don't know if I'm going to do a bag backwards and right. forwards every day. Like right. I, I'm actually considering not doing that and just having everything that I d- need where it needs to be, right? Yep. So, like, the, all of the computer stuff will just stay in the office and I'll have some redundant machine at home in case I need to do anything. But the plan is to not do any work at home anymore. So, right. I don't know. And then it's like, okay, but I like to have all of my pens with me. Like, I wouldn't even be able to choose which three to take. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it basically it's going to be either... It, what it's going to end up being with the pen stuff is when it comes to the office is a lot of change. Like that is going to be something where it really like one of the big changes is do I keep all my pens in one place? Do I take them backwards and forwards? Do I then have to choose which ones I want in advance? Like that's a pretty big difference in my use case. So, but it will be like many things now that I, you know, won't, eventually won't be working from home it will a lot of stuff i would do would change but honestly who knows like i have no idea like i've got this <laughs> studio but i don't know if i'll ever use it the way that i intended to like i don't know like it's just it's too many questions still unfortunately the reason why i love this show is because of how important that question that we just got is so important so like we will how come much back we to think it. about that mm-hmm. yeah we will come back to it <laughs> it's great <laughs> The Inky Side asks, I just received my 2380 Prussian Blue from Mark Backus, who ground me a blade-style nib, which was my first custom grind. Now I have an overwhelming urge to sell off most of my collection and get custom grinds on each pen that remains. Good, great, or perfect idea. So this brings up a bigger topic that you will hear me discuss next week on the Focus Podcast, which I recorded yesterday with David Sparks and Mike Schmitz about being done like kind of finding the perfect pen and like well this is this is it and i don't really need anything else and we talked about that with uh, sparky a little bit um to where he kind of found a pen that is kind of turned him off from purchasing more pens because yeah. he doesn't think it'll be better like yeah see ah, this is david yeah. david's in that We've all been in that bucket, right? Of yes. The, like, and I've said this to him many times. He's, mm-hmm. It's just a waiting period. Like, but he, his brain doesn't yeah. know that yet. Yeah. So he's gone through this a couple of times already, mm-hmm. right? Um. So we know we know David and what his his path has been. Every pen I buy is the last pen I'm ever going to buy. <laughs> not me. I'm willing to say <laughs> it's not. But I love the idea that the inky side is presenting. Do I take? The pens that I don't use, sell them, yes. And then the ones that I keep, do I customize them in the most customizable way possible for me? Yes. 
and then stick with that. Yes, like I I think this is a good idea. Like I could never do it myself. I will never do it myself, but I think for many people, this is absolutely if you found something that works really really well and it's to the point where you don't use other things because of it, it's time to get rid of those other things. Mhm. I mean, and I won't follow that advice. That's that's advice for you, not for me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if you have stuff that you would be willing to part with to help you do something that you're more interested in, do it. But at the same time, I wouldn't make a decision like that very quickly in case you ended up regretting it later on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this question comes from Sarah. Is there a pen addict recommendation or recommended resource for effective handwritten handwritten letter writing when writing letters to leaders and officials to advocate for change? Things like best handwriting style, format, length, size, ink color. The goal is to show time when intergenerating it because it's handwritten, but also make sure it's digested and makes an impact. I would like to make a recommendation, just okay. straight off the bat, use blue or black ink. You don't think? Use, yeah, don't use a color thing because I don't think it looks serious. Then I think maybe blue. Mm-hmm. And I, I, the reason I, I put this question in here is because it's an amazing question. It's something it's we should thoughtful. all be considering right now and that I have no answer for it, right? Is there a resource that says if you're going to handwrite to, let's say, just say public officials, um, you know, you're not, you know, writing your, your aunt and talking about your garden. Like you want to make an impact and focus on change that you should believe, believe is taking place. Is there a best practice for that? And I don't know, like I'm putting this out to the chat. I, I don't know that I would have gone directly to the answer that you said, but it kind of makes sense, but I would definitely not choose black. Because I think blue stands out a little bit more. If you're yeah. if you're not gonna allow color, I won't discount that. Right? Like if I'm dropping orange orange in my in my letter to my congressman, that might not be taken seriously. I, I do get that. But I think I would go with blue at least for some type of impact where black I'm not sure would have as much of an impact, even though it'll still be handwritten and make a difference. I mean, let's be clear, anything you can you write and, and produce and, and send to any public official is, is awesome. But what's the best? I love this question because I, I don't know. And I hopefully we can get some feedback on this and and figure it out. I think, you know, I like if I'm just picturing this in my head, blue ink, no more than a single page, mm-hmm. A four or A five. You know, no front and back, no two-page, no multi-page letter. Um, very direct, single sheet. Glenn in the Discord, uh, our friend Glenn from Hong Kong, mm-hmm. um, who just sent me like he just sent me like five postcards that were all awesome. I haven't thanked him yet, so best. I'll publicly thank him now. But you know, like Hong Kong, obviously, there's a lot of reasons to write to politicians there. Uh, Glenn yeah. went with the Carla Inks tribute to Neon to stand out, which is so. Here's my thing: you will definitely stand out, but. Personally, I would say to do it in a more traditional color so it, it would be taken seriously. That's how I would, that's my personal view on this. Like, but mm-hmm. in the same vein, I would suggest only handwriting if you are confident that your handwriting is very clear and legible. Mm-hmm. If it isn't, then your letter may be ignored. 
right? Then right. then you might be better typing something out. Like, yeah, like Mike should type. I should right? type. I mean, you're making a joke, but that's true, though. Like, my no, handwriting is not completely legible by everybody, especially if I'm yeah. writing something long. I can make it much more legible, but if uh, it's only if I was writing something short, which this probably wouldn't be. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I love this question. So maybe we can explore it more. We'll see if we get some feedback on this. But I think I think the size, the the length of the letter, I think we could probably all agree on the shorter the better. Like single page, if at all possible. No flipping, no second page. Um, and then just as clear as possible. But then for color and you know envelope even like yeah i uh, i'm i'm racking my brain i think this is a wonderful question all right next one next question comes from mendel newbie fountain pen owner here have a question for you i'm doing longer form writing a handful of pages at a time and i've noticed the ink that i'm using starts out as a dark or deeper hue but by the time i've reached the end it's much lighter and sometimes doesn't flow as well almost as if the pen starts to dry out a little Let's take a break for a few minutes. It will start up again darker. In short, is this making any sense? Is this usual and expected? Is there something that I can do to change it? I'm using Lamy Blue Back in a Twisby Eco, though I've noticed a similar occurrence with the Pilot Metropolitan. This is a great question. And I had a second email in my inbox this week, which is why I put this one in because I had already answered the other one directly because they didn't tag it as TPA, so I emailed them back. That had the exact opposite experience of this and wanted to know does this make sense is this usual to happen is there something i can do with it the longer they write the more saturated the line got and the more ink flowed so this just goes to show you that is a very setup dependent right you obviously we all expect consistency i think what mendel is experiencing in this question is more common than the other way around. What Mendel's experiencing is the pen sitting, the ink collecting in the feed, which that's the feed's job, the plastic bit behind the nib. It's The feed is there to hold the ink so it is ready to go onto the page when you are ready to write. So the more the pen sits, the more likely the feed gets oversaturated and the ink could be darker when you start up your writing, even if you pause, right? So the more you write, the lighter it should be, but it shouldn't be drastic, right? You might notice a change in your first few words from the sentence five sentences down the page. That's to be expected. Um, you don't want it to be like outrageously dark light. Then something I'd, I'd worry if like something's not seated right, something's not flowing right in the pen, maybe clean it, uh, try it up again. What I wouldn't expect is it to get darker over the time, like the other email I got. Um, that seems like more of an outlier where it starts dry and and then turns into a, a darker, more saturated line. But that could just be a flow issue to, you know, maybe once the ink gets flowing and it's the feed is not managing the ink flow as well. So these are kind of, I won't say common things with fountain pens, but there's definitely a variance in line color that's inherent with fountain pens that you're not going to get with like a gel ink pen, for example, like the gel ink with a ball tip roller is designed to be perfectly consistent all the time. And you notice it when it's not fountain pens. There's a little bit of leeway, both directions. So I think what you're experiencing is normal Mendel. 
Lamy Blue Black is notoriously dry ink, right? So when it's saturated, it probably, when you first starting to write, it probably looks good, feels good. The more you write with it, there's a little bit less ink flow, which exacerbates the the dryness of the ink, which is probably what you're seeing. And I'd have to say that's pretty normal. And it's probably setup dependent. Like I said, you know, this nib with this ink is going to behave this way. If you try this nib with a different ink, say a diamine, you might have more consistency in it. So it's one of those areas in fountain pens where you have to be okay with a little bit of variance in performance based on nib size, ink, and paper. And um, this one is somewhat usual. All right, next question. Yep. All right, I think this is our last one for today, right? Last one Carol. for today. Uh, I'm listening to a live stream this morning with Stephen Brown. He took a question. How long is the life of a bottle of ink? His answer is about a year. He expressed some highly sought Parker ink is still okay for many. However, he recommends the obvious to watch for floating mold. I realize that you most likely in 10 years have answered this question many times. I'm not new to ink. However, I'm new to fountain pen dyed ink. I'm, I'm certain uh, factors of permanent shimmer machine all work toward a varied response. However, an overall age, what is your experience? I don't My know best. where that a year comes from. Yeah, I've never heard that short of a time frame. But I will say this. My best experience on how long an ink is good for is that you'll know it when you see it. That's how long it's going to last for. Or smell right? it. Right? Yeah, or smell it. You will know if your ink has gone bad by if there's something growing on the top, if the color has changed, if it's separated within the bottle. Uh, I've Something as short as a year for a bottle of an ink doesn't make sense to me. So... Um, I have bottles that are probably close to 10 years old that are perfectly fine. I keep them in, you know, I keep them in a closet in dark, you know, it's in temperature controlled, right? Temperature and, you know, how you store your inks are going to affect that. You know, I have them in a dark temperature controlled room that's going to last longer than anything else, but you will know visually if an ink has gone bad and out of probably the 200 or so bottles, that I have right now, I've only ever seen one ink go bad that I had to throw out. I've never had it. Like, I've, it's I very. Ink, I have ink bottles that I've I've had for five, six, maybe you know what longer. Like my mm -hmm. original for Yugaki, I still have some in that bottle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, and I know I've had that for like probably like seven or eight years at this point. I wouldn't right. say that there is a defined uh, period of time. Like I think right. there's too many factors at play. Yep, and so but the best advice is kind of what you're saying. You've used that Fuyugaki so much, you know how it behaves, you know how it performs in all nibs. And if you ink it up now and it's different, it's done. Right. But that's just, it's just a rare thing. It doesn't happen that often, but it, it does happen. Like inks can go bad. And there's, there's been, you know, definitely some batches of inks that have gone bad from manufacturers and they'll catch pretty quick. But if you're concerned about buying a fountain pen, bottle of ink and not using it up in a year because it's going to go bad i i don't think um i don't think you can really rely on that i think you, it's going to last for years and years if you would like to send in a question to be answered uh, on a future episode just send out a tweet with the hashtag AskTPA and it will be put into a sheet where we can draw from. Or if you have a, a question that's longer than tweet length, you can email them to hello at penaddict.com. 
If you want to find Brad's work online, he's on Twitter. He's at Dowdyism, D-O-W-D-Y-I-S-M. Uh, you can go to penaddict.com, knock.co, spokedesign.com. Yeah, look at you, pro. Have you still got stuff in stock? I know you had a restock. We do, we do. I'm going to ship more uh, when we get done today. Yeah, so plenty, of, plenty in stock right now. .com, if they've got some uh, some of the wonderful, wonderful spoke pens available. Do you have some of the limited edition ones even? The Joker? Joker is in stock right now, and we've sold a bunch of them. But Dang, I'm going to put that one in the show notes. That's my favorite. That's the <laughs> one that I keep on my desk. That's the one to buy right there. That's the colorway. Uh, you can also watch Brad stream live on Twitch at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays at twitch.tv slash Pen Addict. I'm I Mike. I am Y-K-E. This show is a part of Relay FM. You can find this show and many more at relay.fm slash shows. You can find links and information for this episode at relay.fm slash penaddict slash 415. Thanks again to Pen Chalet for the support of this show and also to our Relay FM members. We really appreciate your support. Uh, thank you so much. If you want to, f- if you want to become a member and support this show, there's some links in the show notes so you can just go to relay.fm slash penaddict and you can sign up for that as well. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad. <laughs>